0: In today's age of massive grocery stores and fast food on every corner, it can be difficult to feel connected to the food on your plate. Thrive Market is on a mission to change that. The online marketplace is making healthy living easy and affordable for everyone by stocking a highly curated catalog of thousands of food and household items for less. And right now, they're offering an amazing deal to new users. Get $60 of free organic groceries plus free shipping. Go to thrivemarket.com slash mybuddygreen now, and you'll notice that more than 70% of their catalog cannot be found on stores like Amazon. Let's break down how it works. Thrive does the heavy lifting for you and allows you to filter based on the values that you care about. Click through 90 categories like organic, non-GMO, and BPA-free to find out your favorite foods and natural products, all at prices up to 50% less than those you'll find in the grocery store. They offer the same savings on non-food items, too. I'm talking eco-friendly cleaning supplies, non-toxic beauty products, kitchen staples, and home goods. Visit thrivemarket.com slash mindbuddygreen to unlock $60 of free organic groceries plus free shipping. That's right, $60 in free organic curated groceries. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash mindbuddygreen. Once you start using Thrive Market, you'll wonder what you ever did without it. We are so excited to welcome our newest podcast sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that uses science and data from apps, race results, and more to secure lower rates for health-conscious people. Most of you know that my wife Colleen and I live healthy lifestyles. We exercise regularly, even if sometimes that just means walking our daughter Ellie around our neighborhood. We meditate and eat clean, mostly plant-based diets. Life insurance companies historically charge more for a family history of health problems or high BMI, so it's nice to know that the opposite also exists, a life insurance agency that rewards health-conscious people like us. Plus, the data is there to back it up. An overall healthy lifestyle is associated with a 57 to 60% lower risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. It's hard to argue with that. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash mbg or mention the promo code mbg when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions, any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much, and let's go back to the podcast. Guru Jagat is the founder of the Rama Yoga Institute, the author of the best-selling book, Invincible Living, and the woman who is putting kundalini yoga on the map. She also has an amazing class with my buddy Green, Kundalini Yoga 101. She's a true innovator in yoga, and it is an honor to have her here today. So, what's I've, I like? What's the perfect pronunciation?
1: Well, you know, there are some that that tend towards the French pronunciation yes. of my name cuz I'm uh. so European, of course. Um and the, including my mother who does the juggat um, I'm like, "Mom, you've never spoken a word of French before. Like, how how did this <laughs> happen?" Um but but the actual pronunciation is kind of more they they call me juggernaut. It's a little more like juguet. Um Got like it. like almost like a u in in So guru juguet. Yeah.
0: Guru juguet. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jason. So glad to be here.
0: It's about time.
1: I know. We've been we've been dosy doing around this. I'm so happy we, we made it happen.
0: So let's go back in time. Before you were Guru Jagat, who were you? This girl growing up in the D.C. suburbs?
1: Going to punk rock. Uh, going to punk rock? Yeah, going to punk rock um, concerts and um, getting beat up by skinheads. Um, oh, no. I, I still w- have... What
0: concerts were you going to? Oh,
1: no. I don't know where you grew up, but I was I actually— I grew up on Long Island, so uh, probably very similar. There was probably very similar. I was actually talking to um, Noah Levine about this. Um, you know, the whole kind of straight-edge, skinhead— kind of suburban a, a, 90s basically punk rock scene and I definitely kind of grew up in that and we were joking because he became a straight edge and I only made out with straight edge guys oh, so wow. we had like a moment about that um, I would have guessed
0: more like Fish Grateful Dead. No, no,
1: so that was... no I, liked the, I liked the kind of ethos of the punk rock scene but also I grew up in West Virginia, Virginia and West Virginia. And oh so you were way west Way west.
0: So you weren't really DC suburbs I, I got mean, that wrong.
1: it's kind of suburbs Though. It's town? only an hour. It's like Long Island. Sure. It's about as far as Long Island from Manhattan. But um, we had a, you know, we moved around a little bit on the Panhandle, but we kind of settled in a town called Shepherdstown, which is actually quite a, um, it's very, a lot of artisans, a lot of kind of bohemians. It's a really cool place. It's become kind of a major bedroom community for DC now. When I was a kid, it wasn't like Shepherdstown, that. Shepherdstown, Virginia. Shepherdstown, West. West Virginia. Virginia. Um, and of course, we were the only Jews. Like, so what high I, school is that? Um, I went to a high school called Musselman High School, okay. but then I, I I skipped two grades, and so you know, oh, was, wow, I wasn't into the high school scene. But I, I could see that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite my scene. I tried, but it was just you know, I I wanted to you know. Do I, I think it's probably
0: bad if high school is your scene.
1: I think it's hard. (laughs) I think it's hard for people. The people I've met where high school was, they're seeing it is a bit of, there's some arrested development. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So, um, but, I was into the kind of punk rock, where punk rock met uh, bluegrass music, which if you listen to both, um, the traditions of both, they're very similar rhythmic intelligences in terms of the way that the kind of um, the the back room kind of um, punk rock scene developed, and then the, the crossroads of that with a lot of these kind of really traditional bluegrass musicians in West Virginia, and my dad made dulcimers, and I was, you know, I spent some time with a lot of these very deeply rooted um, kind of what the Cohen brothers then <laughs> kind of you know I, I was very annoyed about that movie because I I know the brother, adi- were yeah, brother were yeah Oh, brother wrote because you know those are my people and and um, even though we were kind of transplants and we were the only Jews in West Virginia still it was like the the, the kind of just the traditions and the the amazing um, amount of just friendliness and beauty and the also how music has just you uh, you know, made the culture of the of the Appalachians was very, is very near to my heart. But it it kind of um coincided with the punk scene and D C had an incredible music scene when I was growing up. And so I saw like, who, like- well, I saw Radiohead for five dollars oh, wow. when Creep had just come out, and that was normal. Like where'd I you, saw shows like that all the time, them,
0: like the 9:30 Club. Or? Yeah,
1: like it was the Black Cat and the 9:30 yeah. Club, and then I think I saw them at a showcase for the alt radio station, which I can't remember what. I'm sure they they're still around probably, but it was like the kind of the alternative rock station was having a showcase, and it, I believe it was the first time that Radiohead came to America. Wow. So. You know, it was like that. What year was it? This is like early '90s. No, it was it was like mid '90s. Well, I had older boyfriends, so. (laughs) they drove me places, you know, I was always like that. Um, So I was young, able to go to some of this stuff. And so, yeah, that was kind of how it happened. But um, so I grew up very, you know, with a lot of, I think, people who are really salt of the earth and and who have work ethic and and, um, a certain kind of loyalty. And I feel like that's really in many ways uh, made me who I am as a human and a woman and as a, you know, an employer and as a sister and sure. a, you know all of those things, and so I, you know, I'm really into the salt of the earth people.
0: So how do you go from punk rock to Kundalini? Well, I or don't. Is that, is that like the is that the common path these days, or? <laughs>
1: What I (laughs) think, you know, what I think is the common path. I mean, I don't think it's uncommon because, in a lot of ways, I think that anybody who is kind of looking around and going, I don't want to just sleep through my life, Mm. and there's something wrong politically and and geopolitically and environmentally and governmentally, and I'm questioning the things that I'm being told, which is really ultimately the punk rock ethos. Um, And also, you know, what I loved about the straight edge movement was they were sober. And so we were sober, you know, and that was kind of something that, and that was something that you kind of wore as a badge. It was like a, like a bit of an ego trip, um, which is kind of interesting and, and interesting also in the sobriety movement that's happening now with the younger people, Mm -hmm. um, people who are not addicts particularly, but are seeing that, that sobriety or just being conscious about what you put in really does affect your, your brain and the way you kind of operate and the way you think. But so yeah, I think that people who question reality and question just what's being spoon-fed to them on news media and all that kind of stuff, I've been actually talking about this quote from Jelly Biafra, it was old school punk rocker. He said, you know, don't fear the media, become the media, which is what you guys are doing here. And sure. I really, I f- and you know, that's what we're, we're doing as well. And many people, you know, this is what's so cool about this age is, is everyone can have a media channel. Yep. And so I think a lot of that stuff goes right into a spiritual practice, because then you're, you know, all the great people who I respect in the spiritual world are all people who questioned, you know, I don't want to just like, eat, watch TV, go to work, you know, have sex and die. I mean, you know, that doesn't seem like a, a life well lived. And I think anybody who questions that becomes a person of spirit. And, and that's, to me, the real definition of spirituality.
0: I love that, that quote. I just don't want to work, eat. Have sex, sleep, and go to work and die. And die. I mean, yeah, you know, that's sad.
1: yeah, that's work slave society, and I think a lot of people just kind of settle into that. And so, and but it's changing. I mean, so many, so many people are waking up in places like Mind Body Green, where the work environment is this is becoming the norm. And I, I, I think that's you know sure. really great times ahead in terms of what how we're you know kind of engaging with our lives.
0: So when did you discover kundalini?
1: Well, I was, I knew I wanted to have an experience of something deeper, and I was looking for a teacher, really. I wanted to have a teacher. I didn't know how to express that, but that was really what I was on the hunt for. Um, were you for. in high school at this point or out of high school? I or? was I, I was in college. I graduated a couple years early, so I was in college early, and um, I moved to New York. And I ran into some people who followed this teacher who was a heir of Osho. And so I st- I went to meet him and um, kind of got involved, you know, kind of peripherally with their scene. But everybody was doing Ashtanga yoga. This was Eddie the... Stern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then going to my store and stuff. Yeah. And this was the early 2000s. And... Um, Everybody was into raw foodism. Like I was just, I was just telling some people I ran into some old raw food people from who I knew from the you know early late '90s, early 2000s yesterday. Um, And it's just such a like East Village breed of people, Um, and so sweet and beautiful. I really, really love them. But so we were kind of, you know, we were eating cleanly, and that like you know nobody was really talking about that. We were doing some sort of yoga, and then we're practicing kind of mind training in the this teacher's form, which was look at all the ways that you create falsities in terms of who you are, all the masks, and then have people around you telling you about yourself um, and then see what you how you feel about it. Um, He came from the encounter group, kind of, I don't know if you know about this book, but um, this is how Esalen was created, you know, Big Sur. They were created, it was a group of people who did these things called encounter groups, where they would kind of lock the doors for the weekend or the week and tell Each other the truth about each other, quote unquote, and um, there was a facilitator, and it was a big circus in the seventies because people would come out of those things with black eyes and broken arms. I mean, people would fight, and like you know, it's the the it's a it, it was a quite a scene. So this was this guy was kind of out of that scene, so he had us come in together in these groups every night and tell each other, you know, do you know that you crook your head like this? Do you know that you you know squint your eyes when you are talking to me? And like like I feel like you're not being real you know, it was just all this like feedback is what we called it. Um, But in the midst of all that, I really got a sense of, wow, I'm not what I think I am. And this set of habits and these sets of thought sequences and habit forms that are my behaviors, my personality, and what I think I think, or I think I know, or don't know is not what, I think it is. And so I ended up having a very deep awakening experience in that time. And during that time, and what I mean by that is not, I, you know, what I mean by that is that I had some space between essence and thoughts. And I think mm-hmm. anybody can, anybody who's, you Explain know, that. well, I had some space between the thought form itself and the essence of who I am. It's
0: so, like, what's an example?
1: So the example was like instead of thinking I'm angry I saw the chemicals of anger and and watched them and didn't identify with the anger, which is what all I mean, everybody Mindful, describes like a this deep practice
0: of mindfulness. Yeah, I yeah, that.
1: I mean, it's something I don't want like I think making these things precious. It's I don't really talk about this very much because I think making these things precious or making them, you know, there's this preciousness around it. It's like everyone who's practicing some sort of breath work or some sort of mindfulness. You're going to have those moments, even if it's a split second. You're going to have a moment where something opens and you're like, oh, wait. There's a thought form going by like a cloud, and I actually there's space between my my essence of who I am, whatever you want to call that, mm-hmm. con- consciousness, soul. There's lots of words. There's space between that, and in that space is what I would call infinity, and that's that's you know that's what all the great great spiritual seekers are you know in some way. Um, hunting for. And right. so I had those, those early experiences. I had those in that time. And then nine 11 happened and I wasn't in New York at the time I was on Maui doing the spiritual work. And it was kind of really kind of a deep paradox. Um, and by the time I got back here, there was just a lot of change in New York and sure. um, a lot it felt like a lot of people's hearts had opened in a were you living way. at the time I lived on um, at the time I lived I'm not sure if I lived on 10th street I was living in the East so Village so you were below 14th street yeah, I remember when that exactly. happened they like
0: put barricades up you yeah. couldn't go south of 14th you yeah. had to prove you lived there was, yeah. there was like a giant cloud that stunk over the sea. it was just it was, it, tough. It, was, yeah. it
1: was real and and like everybody you know was having kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome and a lot a lot was happening and so by the time I got back here the atmosphere and the really the consciousness of the city had changed forever um and at the time I was working with this incredible neon artist who was doing a amazing production of Herman Hesse's um uh was Siddhartha I guess and we were using neon art and these like incredible puppets and, and so who's the artist? Um his name was Rudy. He's he's past now, oh, but no. he was one of the first um multimedia neon artists. He was like a, a trailblazer in neon art in the sixties and seventies. Like oh, wow. he's very famous. Like
0: like pre like Tracy Emin or Exactly or like Olivia Steele. Or, all all yeah. of
1: those, you know, he was he was in that scene. So um and I met a girl who taught a weird kind of yoga and she w- uh, first
0: of all I love that you said a weird kind of yoga yeah
1: a very <laughs> weird kind of yoga and she wore a turban and my boyfriend at the time had said to me like um, yeah I hear she only like lets her hair down for lovers and I was like how did you hear that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like
1: um, and how did you hear that man um, and so I was like well I'm gonna go check this girl out if my boyfriend heard that <laughs> yeah. she puts her hair down you know, only for her lovers I better figure out what's going on um, so I went to her class and within 20 seconds I totally had like a massive kind of what I would call opening of the top of my head and energy started like flowing all around me and the, the you know, room changed and you know, I was in another dimension and I had been practicing two hours of a every morning and never had any experience like that.
0: Just sore knees. Yeah.
1: Just, just like a ripped <laughs> rotator cup. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. Um, so I started to, I mean, I pretty much got into it right away cause I had been looking for something that was going to have open up a space like that that quickly that was my biggest thing about it and it was even before you know the social media that we know and the acceleration of time space and the technological age but I knew that there was something about the quickness of kundalini yoga that I was really fascinated by how quickly it works how quickly it changes your perception and your your brain chemistry and your blood chemistry and your glandular secretions and I was I mean I couldn't put words to that at that time but so I was I think I was 21. I might have just turned 22. And um, I went out. Yogi Bhajan was alive for those, for two years, kind of right, his last two years of his life, right when I kind of. How how
0: did you go from that to meeting? Yogi Bhajan.
1: <laughs> well, I went out to his ashram in New Mexico. So
0: was that like? Did you go from that class? Like, I'm getting out of plane. I mean,
1: or? I went to class. I, I started practicing every single day. Wow. I wanted to get stronger, and I knew I had done all this Western. I ran, and I went to the gym, and I was, you know, and and I wanted to figure out how to. Um, strengthen myself because when I did kundalini yoga for the first time, and I think a lot of people have this experience, they're like, I'm strong and I bench press and I run 10 miles and, and then you do kundalini yoga and it's dealing with your nervous system. And it's like, Whoa, I'm so weak. And so in your breath, and um, so I wanted to get stronger, so I took a kriya and I did it every single day for 90 days leading up to going to the ashram in New Mexico. Over you, you maybe solstas. explain
0: briefly what a kriya is. That people kriya, don't know.
1: well, the word means uh-huh. to change, but it means a set of of of, of sequence a sequence sure. of exercises. And so I took the same one, and I and I it was the one that like really kicked my ass. And I was like, I'm going to do this every day. I Had a lot of leg lifts and a lot of like a lot of like abdominal work, and but it was more, you know, that 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 balancing of my chakra system. And so um, I did it every day. I went out to summer solstice. Yogi Bhajan was very, very ill. So I got very little kind of um, uh, actual personal time with him. But just to be in his presence for those last two years was a great, great, great gift. And basically at the time, the second year, right before he died, he um, sent me to... Los Angeles and, and sent me to, I'd already moved to Los Angeles, but he, the first year he sent me to Los Angeles. The second year, he kind of got me, you know, in, um, this kind of, uh, teaching position at his school that he had established in Los Angeles called Yoga West. And, um, It, he, you know, was like, you're going to teach the women there. And I I was 22 or 23. I, you know, my mom is an intense woman. Um, I grew up with one brother and then have three other brothers and was always like, you know, the punk rock scene, the Hare Krishna, it's like all these guys. So I was like, I'm going to teach the women. And of course, you know, he knew way more than I did because (laughs) that has become, you know, a big part of my mission.
0: So you show up in LA and you're like, I'm ready. (laughs) And we're <laughs> Not quite, but yeah,
1: I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just... The, so you
0: didn't, you didn't show up in L.A. to become an actress
1: first? No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I came to New York. I was in, you know, I definitely was in the arts. And so I spent a lot of time in theater arts and visual arts and music. I mean, I was really into, I'm an artist. so. um, But no, it was never quite like that. And and I have some dear friends who are, you know. Well,
0: it makes sense if you're in the arts and you're performing. Like so much of being a great teacher is having a presence and knowing how to work a room. Like it's important. It makes you great.
1: Yes, it does. And I think that's a, you know, it's a skill set that you can learn, but it's also charisma is charisma yeah you know yeah
0: Yeah. and so you show up you start you started teaching and this was what timeline 2003
1: 2003 2004 I started teaching um and then you know a decade of just, and of course, I was telling someone this morning, I, I, or l- last night, and I said to Shababrit this morning, I was like, my assistant, I'm like, have I become the person who's like, I want, I did Kundalini, you know, for 20 hours in the snow. Like, I'm like, said, so like, I feel like I'm always lecturing all my teachers now, <laughs> um, just because, I, I mean, I put in time. Right. Well, I think that's
0: an important thing that people know. It's not like, so Kundalini, I, I have a couple questions in yeah. here, but so k- Kundalini has just become, huge right now and it's definitely having a moment and that's amazing and you're definitely the person driving it yeah and some people say like oh my god like you know she's an overnight success story well that's not really true because you've been doing this for almost like 20 years yes Yes. and so i'm curious like why a couple questions why do you think kundalini is so popular right now and then when did you start to see that shift happened, we're like, oh wow, people are really digging this. Something's happening. Like what's driving this?
1: Yeah. Well, so um I believe that Kundalini is going to have a moment for the next five thousand years. Um and the reason being is we're in this age called the Age of Aquarius sure. and um the evolution of the human species really is a must if we're going to be able to salvage our civilization on this planet absolutely um and i understand that you know many people are interested in not salvaging this civilization and moving to mars um <laughs> you know uh, whatever what's it called um, so you're not interested
0: in expanding you've got la new york Mallorca, and mars is not on the road I for mean, you.
1: maybe <laughs> maybe but not not you know definitely okay. not in, in 2019 but um but you know we we have some work to to do on this planet and the pressure's on and I think that part of um, what Kundalini does so well is it really activates the system, the, the actual physiological system that is um, the basis of the awakening of consciousness, or if you don't even want to go there, the basis of the awakening of the bicameral brain, which I really feel that the most successful people on this planet have the left and right hemisphere available to them. And I was talking about this yesterday, I think it's a kind of funny metaphor, um, and kind of a joke that all these kind of Silicon Valley types are, you know, in a race to create the most intelligent robot and AI. And yet, they're while they're doing it, they're popping nootropics and med- daffinil and trying to optimize their operating system because they know somewhere they need to optimize it in order to be on the edge of the technological kind of, Front. Um, however, you know, they're taking drugs basically sure. to optimize. And I mean, it's really rampant. Um, and my whole point is yes, I agree. The bicameral brain and the optimization of the frontal lobe is in, its the necessary part of becoming a more evolved human. Um, however, I can give you a three minute practice that will do more than modafinil or any of these nootropics ever could or will. And our computer of our brains is more sophisticated than any ai will ever be
0: let's do that at the end
1: okay. we'll close with all that. right Can okay <laughs> okay um, so so i think that's part of why kundaline is having a moment is people are getting that like okay i have so much pressure on my psyche i am either gonna go get hopelessly depressed or anxious or the insomnia is gonna you know or all these kind of m- modern maladies or I'm going to get sharper and I'm going to get clearer and I'm going to find a way to optimize my system which is obviously the mind-body-green sure. contingency These, you know we're interested in that kind of um, journey so I think that's you know the big reason why Kundalini's having a so, moment
0: so how much do you think breath work has to do with it and what you just talked about with the brain and also how much do you think has to do with <clears throat> the growth of yoga and the, maybe the not the depth that people yeah. want.
1: Yeah, I think that that I always say that um, all of it. I, I feel like we're not doing everything. I'm not doing any, everything right, or even you know that well. But I think it's just that there's so many that are kind of um, going wide and not deep. That 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 you. It's tangible when you are with someone who is a true kind of practitioner. Um, in and not just kind of talking about it on social media (laughs) i mean just to be yeah you open a can of worms like how do you
0: feel about the you know we're in the age of instagram where it's handstands and bikinis on the beach and okay nothing wrong with that but it seems like there's it's
1: uh
0: there there, one could say there are potentially problems with that
1: you know I like my handstand in a bikini just as much as another girl. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Shavapreet's right now editing my handstand in the bikini um, <laughs> photo shoot. Um, n- no, I-, I don't have any problem with people expressing themselves. I think it's beautiful and I think the human form is beautiful and I think um, asana is really a metaphor for being flexible in the mind, being agile in the mind. That's what the great yogi is. that's what they were creating, is this is a system in a bio, biochemical and biological and, and energetic form that will create flexibility of the mind and flexibility of the of all the systems of of the body which is not just the physical body um and so i think asana and all of that is beautiful um however we just you know we're westerners and we just lose our way it's like osho said okay everybody like just have as much sex as you can have because you're so obsessed with sex as a westerner that like everybody just have sex have sex sex and
0: A lot of people.
1: Well, well, a lot of people basically got stuck on the sex, (laughs) and and his point was like, no, no, no. I just want you to have enough sex so that you can stop obsessively thinking about sex. You know, and the same thing with Asana. It's like, well, the handstand in whatever you want to wear, um, the handstand is a. uh, It's a metaphor for can you look at something differently. Can you move your mind in a, a way that you can see something from a different perspective? And I think if we don't lose sight of that, then it becomes a tool just like anything sure. else. Um, but. I mean, everybody's running around trying to get through the day, ultimately, and I think you've seen it, and I've seen it. All these people who are kind of influencers and who have whatever they do these 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 photos, and this is part of the the kind of machine that they've created. A lot of them are are they're crumbling under the stress. Sure, where
0: I was going, I, let me rephrase. So, to me, the handstand, the bikini on the beach isn't isn't as much about that. It's this idea of perfection, yeah, which I think lends itself to Instagram it's the perfect photo and the perfect this and okay Instagram's changing their feed it's going to be about stories and live now which isn't perfection which I think is a good thing but it's this idea I think of perfection and it's tough out with devices and social media and there is some of I I, my point of view is Instagram has been great for yoga Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways but it it also is like put on this idea of perfection in yoga and my theory is kundalini isn't necessarily really about that and so it's 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 a lot of people are you know that's the gateway It is to to yoga, and then they sort of go like, "I feel something." This isn't about that; it's about something else, and that's more appealing.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think it all—it definitely works for us in a lot of ways. Because, like, just as anything, we have a saturation around those images. I feel like now it's just becoming like, "Oh, it's another like really hot girl in a yoga pose," and you know, and because of that, when you see something with more kind of depth and realness, I think that it actually works for us in a many many ways and we're actually launching I'll, I'll give a little uh, sneak peek we're, we're launching a very cool campaign the Rama campaign this year that is all about kind of um, making fun of that oh, aspect of it. the wellness scene, and all, and in really all of the aesthetics of the wellness scene, which I think have become like anemic and pastel and very kind of uh, basic, and it's just boring. It's been, a, been a cliche. It's a it's yeah. super cliche consciousness. So yeah, we're launching. We're going to launch into a whole like you know how kind of juicy and you know wrong and imperfect <laughs> and like that th- th- can we get you know and um, that's that that's really my exploration. Because I think that's that, that is people are relieved. Sure. People are relieved. And I, I hear that all the time. People are like, ah, I just was so happy that you told a joke or that you didn't, you know, or that you, the whole thing. And so I think that's also just like the relief of realness is, you know, across sure. the board, whatever your industry you're in, just like.
0: And, you know, you did that deep, which leads me to breath work. Yes. And breath work is. Key component of Kundalini, and then as breath work by itself is, I would say, having a moment. Yes, maybe a 5,000 year moment, yes, big moments yes, in time, yes. or, or nothing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but there, it's why is that? Why do you think?
1: I think that, um, and I talk about this all the time if you want to have any kind of command over your life, if you don't have command over the breath, you cannot have command over the life. Hmm. That's the bottom line. So If you're not in some sort of conscious breath practice, at least for a small amount of your day, which could really just look like going through your day and breathing consciously. It doesn't have to be, you know, I think some of these rituals and self-care and all the preciousness of like all of that, I don't know. I'm I'm a major pragmatist, so.
0: What do you do for self What does self-care mean to you?
1: Well, I did a, I was joking that in the technological age, nobody even notices. So I was, I'm so happy about this because I was on the airplane for literally an hour um, with my gua sha, a facial, facial, facial tool <laughs> and was like giving myself like a, like an aggressive. Aggressive facial, fascial release. Um, and nobody even noticed. I mean, not one person to the point where like it got to be like 45 minutes in. And I was kind of like bending over towards the person what next ar- to what me. What airport were you at? Um, we were flying LA to Okay. Me, That's but, why no one noticed. Well, Maybe. no, no. I was <laughs> in the airplane. Oh, okay. I was in the airplane with, you know, people in my row and stuff. Um, and I was just saying like, this is hilarious. But yeah, no, I'm like, ai have to do lots of things at the same time. So I'm very pragmatic about what. Um, I do and part of it is How conscious can I breathe all day long forget that the the rest of it is practice for that? But can you breathe consciously as much as you possibly can and that's through the nose? primarily So, yeah, I,
0: I, know, so I know I said we'll do this three-minute exercise later But is there something just really simple that anyone can do? Yeah, just yeah. find an example.
1: Well, one thing that anyone can do, and it's particularly good for any kind of compulsivity. So if you're reaching for something you don't want to eat, we're in the new year. So if you're reaching for something you don't want to eat, or if you're thinking something you don't want to think, or if you're doing something you don't want to do, I mean, that's part of the thing is like, everybody wants to do better. And then we fall short. And in that in between how we deal with the, the kind of discrepancy, that cognitive dissonance, I think is real spiritual practice. How we show up for that cognitive dis- mm-hmm. dissonance um but so very simply we inhale through the nose hold the breath and then just hold it as long as you can and we could i we could hold it for a long time if i didn't have the new york city rhino virus i would really try to show off right now then you exhale through the nose so you do that step at anywhere from one to seven times. And I just felt that just in that very small. Is there a count like inhale for five or
0: exhale for, because I've always heard, you know, inhale for two, exhale for four. It's a different. It's like a very basic thing.
1: I mean there's so the thing about kundalini yoga is there's 8000 different techniques it's virtually a materia medica but this one you just hold for as long as you can and you don't best not to like hold it while your knees are locked standing up so like best, <laughs> best to do it in a sitting posture or you know in a comfortable posture but you hold the breath as long as you can then you exhale through the nose How about
0: this I have a situation which I think a lot of people can relate to they're in line for coffee or tea and yeah. there's just it's just not, it's just one of those mornings. Yeah.
1: humanity's being hum- human.
0: <laughs> and you have it and you're ready to snap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, can, what can you do to make sure you're online and by the time you get to the counter, you're as pleasant as you can be at that time?
1: Well, you can do what I just said. You can take just a deep inhale, deeper. hold the breath and exhale. But also there's some other things like you could put your thumb to your pinky um, which basically establishes a connection in the brain which allows for a little bit more tolerance and and intercommunication in yep. the brain because all irritability and kind of shortness in your system is really a shortness in your nervous system. So people's, you know, Yogi Bhajan used to say, my teacher, if someone's behaving obnoxious, then they really have a glandular issue. And so you can you can look at it from a very scientific point. <laughs> so if you're behaving obnoxiously, your gland are off you're oh you know you're something's off and so if you give yourself a couple deep breaths and you can put the thumb on the pinky that's a that's an easy way to kind of regulate the neurological sequences um but i've been saying this and i think it's really true it's like we're given this sophisticated body and then we're barely given what they give you for putting together like a really complicated ikea furniture piece <laughs> it's like you get like that little like Uh, uh. and then you get like one sheet of paper with like an arrow and something in Swedish (laughs) and that's basically like it. I love that. So we just have no idea but if you inhale through the nose what are you doing? Well there's two channels through the nostril. This is why mouth breath has its place but for these types of things and when you're training yourself to be a deeper breather and a more conscious breather breathing through the nose is really good because the nostrils go up to a gland called the pituitary gland. Mm -hmm. The pituitary gland is responsible it's called the master gland it's responsible for all the other glandular secretions which are responsible for the hormonal sequences which are responsible for what your feelings <laughs> So you want to control how you feel. Sure. Those aren't random. You don't feel like, all, you know, that's, I really kind of am not into this, all the feels thing that's happened yeah, because what? I'm not into this all, you know, because I, the way you feel is a hormonal sequence that's connected to a physiological sequence that you can command and choose. Now, I'm not saying spiritual bypassing. Sometimes we're going through things. And we need sure. to feel it. Sure. but. I think there's a misinterpretation of what that. So actually. What are your
0: other wellness pet peeves?
1: <laughs> wellness pet peeves. Not into the feels. <laughs> Well, and I said the other one, just the kind of like anemic um, aesthetics of the wellness scene um, and obviously the supremacy of the wellness scene sure. is a major pet peeve. Um, and also just like I just hear so much about that being a pet peeve of, of people of color. And and, sure. um, and we're really, you know, it, we're doing something through my foundation called uh, Rama East. It's one of our initiatives. We just launched it um, where we're really creating a community in in an underserved area of Los Angeles that um, we are bringing, you know, all of what we think are the most amazing and effective Mm -hmm. kind of wellness tools. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Not because, not out of some sort of kind of supremacy guilt thing, which I also see, um, but just like, you know, this is for everyone. It really is. Anybody can take a deep breath. Anybody can, you know, establish a connection to their kind of um, uber consciousness through their blood chemistry, through their brain chemistry. So um, that's free. and, And- And so I'm really into into that. Are you doing that
0: now or is that coming?
1: Uh, it's open we just oh, wow. opened it yeah we're in LA. it's in um it's on West Adams in Normandy so it's sure. kind of you know it's in know like a, yeah yeah um, and it's really cool and it is a it's a beautiful place where a lot of artists you know there is kind of a movement of artists just like downtown LA there's artists there's there's people of all sorts of different socioeconomics and there's amazing gospel churches and it's just like a really rich area sure. um and so
0: a lot different than Aberkenny
1: it's a lot different yeah I mean we're not on Abikini anywhere on lincoln boulevard but we might as well be these days <laughs> no lincoln um, lincoln lincoln's still lincoln it's a little i mean yeah still still, you a still have to deal with the whole drama yeah which Link, I like.
0: lincoln's way better than than ak
1: i mean i kind of think so i i appreciate lincoln boulevard but um but yeah so that kind of stuff i think and also just being in a bubble it's like um we we have to in whatever way if we're going to be a, a trailblazer this is this is one of my big wellness pet peeves, which is that if you've positioned yourself as an influencer or as a leader, um, and now Instagram influencers are leaders, mm-hmm. I just feel like this kind of um, cutting the wrists of of the you know personal problems and 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 really kind of um, hooking your following in through a lowest common denominator rather than a highest common denominator. You know, Martin Luther King, he was he was. Uh, serious and honest about his struggle, but he always elevated people. And I feel that the leaders of this age, if they're not people like Martin Luther King, and they are Instagram influencers, then you have to take that seriously and really understand that what you put out is, is it elevating? Is it—is it you know helping people to see another way and open another kind of um, uh, possibility? And I think that that's very important. I mean, unfortunately, in one way, we're in the age where, you know, these these influencer types are the leaders of this age so i do think there's a level of responsibility that has to be you know really seriously kind of thought about and and you know when you're putting stuff out on your social media but and then at the same time it's like it's all a circus so it's a (laughs) paradox but you know
0: well it's a blend on one hand wellness is about you know Inspiring people and and I think for some people they pursue wellness because they're trying to fix something and there is this Pursuit of perfection. Yeah, and on the other hand um, It's important to be vulnerable. Yeah and share what's really going on and it's not all perfect You know handstand to me is symbolic of you know yes. the perfection, but it's not yeah. all that then it's yeah. this blend of What do I share? What do I don't share? Yeah. You don't want to just go on the platform and just be like, "My life's terrible, this this, this, and this and like right. that's not it's it's this blend of uh, it's nuanced being vulnerable but also inspiring and that's tall order
1: it is a tall order, and I get that you know live with great power comes great responsibility, and so we're it's an interesting time to watch yeah. that all play out but um yeah, you know
0: so what what does it mean to be a guru in the modern age we live in.
1: Well, it means uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 first and foremost. Um, my name, you know, un- unfortunately or unfortunately, and I think Yogi Bhajan was kind of messing with me because he was this type of teacher. Um, he was always throwing marbles in your in your way. When he gave me the name, everyone else got like really sweet, cool names that you could have gone by, and kind of like people wouldn't have, wouldn't have even sure quite known they may have thought you had hippie parents but like but then it like came you know he sent me the letter and at the time it it was through snail mail and he was still alive and he sent me the letter and it was like guru Juggit. and i was like oh no and i was joking about this why you give me like siri yeah yeah like exactly (laughs) why can't it be something cute and like and I, i was joking about this last night that i when i got it i was like well i'm never gonna have a boyfriend again that's over so and i was like 21 um and so But in this age that we're in, you know, you can look up every great spiritual teacher who's been alive in the 20th century on YouTube. Most of them have videos on YouTube. Um, you can experience the great teachings of these spiritual heavyweights everywhere. And it's an amazing time because of that. The, the role of a leader has changed just like we're ta- what we're talking about. And I really take it very seriously that I'm an artist. And, and, you know, David Bowie said at the end of his life, I only did one thing wrong. And that was, I played to the audience. Which I think is the big. Oh, I- interesting! Yes. He said, the one thing I ever did wrong in my whole career was instead of satisfying and and cultivating and stimulating my own creativity, I played to the audience. And that was my one mistake at times. You know, he didn't say, like, that wasn't, but the only time he did something wrong was when he would do that. And I really, like, I was thinking about that and the way that his death was mourned bigger than I think any public death I've ever seen mourned was David Bowie's death. And why? Because of the even more, really, than Prince, I think, which is weird. Sure. Um, cause you know, he, what a heavyweight of art he brought onto the planet. But, um, so I really, I take my leadership role as an artist. I think that's the role of the teacher in this time and this new age that we're in is, um, what can, what do I create? How do I create original thought and original art? And I see Rama as a movement of art. Um, we have all these incredible, Artists, documentary filmmakers, and 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 painters, and and you know, our one of our um, women who teaches at Rama just was shown at MoMA from Club Fifty Seven, which was a movement of art in the um, '80s, late '70s to '80s in the East Village. Um, and she was an artist during that time we were talking about how we feel that that will be what happens with the movement of Rama just in terms of the aesthetic and the and the the conversation and the stimulation sure. of, of so I really look at that that is my role is to create art um, and the name itself really means someone who has the capacity to channelize the universal force through the the power of the light and dark forces of what brings lightness to yeah. the dark and that's kind of what guru means in its most like co- so, denotative essence, you know.
0: So, with what's going on in the world right now, between Me Too, yeah. politics, yeah, yeah, climate change, natural does like mental health? What would you channel? Like, there's a lot to do. Like, there's we're, we're in do. crazy times, and there's a lot to do. So, yeah. any any women and men listening, yeah. a lot of people are. Pissed, they're upset yeah. they want to do something
1: yeah well i feel that and you're seeing a little bit of this which is really beautiful um That that the activism and the revolutionary choices of this time are uh, connected to these kind of choices of how free your mind is from what is taking real estate in your mind and how conscious of that are you, I think is very revolutionary in terms of um, really looking at that and making choices about that. And so that has everything to do with what what media channels, what content, how much time we're spending thinking about certain kind of obsessive thoughts, or all that kind of stuff is um, part of you kind of choosing what's gonna take the real estate in your mind, which sounds very simple and kind of like bourgeois navel-gazing, but think about it. It's like the people who've changed the face of human history have command over what they focus on. Mm. And I think that this time on the planet, focus is one of the great commodities of this time, what you can focus on and how, you know, how much focus you put on something. And so one thing I've been saying is that if you look at the statistics, this is the most peaceful time that ever has been on this planet this is the, the, there are more kind of acts of kindness, homicides are down, gun violence is actually down. Like if you look at the statistics, and so it's my opinion that there are many um, places that make a lot of money on your fear and on your willingness to feel bad about yourself. And so I think that just to like set that, and then it's it's called Twitter. There's a lot of names for it, Um, and and you know a lot of money is made on that. So and just to go to the yogic science, it changes the way that your endocrine system secretes. It depletes your immune system. So having sovereignty over mind and the people who were working to have sovereignty over their mind and create movements around that, you know, a lot of those people were suddenly shot um, in the ages. The age that we just came from, I could name many of them. And so you know, these people are revolutionary. And, and I feel like the most revolutionary or active or activist thing you can do is get clear about where you want to put your focus and who owns that. Mm. And do you own your mind or does someone else own your mind? Yogi Bhajan said, all meditation is a practice of self-hypnosis, so no one can hypnotize you. Because think about, I mean, they you know how much money is spent, and you do, you know, because <laughs> we were in this scene. How much money is spent on just the, like, diagnosis of how fast you edit a video to create? A trance mm-hmm. in the in the viewer. I mean, this is what they're studying right now in you know all sorts of kind of multimedia and and corporations and certain kind of news channels, and they want real estate in your mind. Sure. So to be an activist, and then you can decide on what you want to actually actionize, but without really being clear in your mind, it's you know it may just be someone else's thought that you're I thinking. I love that.
0: I love that. So you mentioned the mind. I want to segue to the brain and brain health and your mom and, and how she's doing and you're passionate about brain health.
1: Well, she's doing very well. I mean, she is a fighter, and she really used, I mean, before anyone, my mom was one of the first dance movement therapists in America. Um, so she, before anybody, knew what somatic therapy sure. was. So she's very, she's just a trailblazer in general. And so when she got the Parkinson's diagnosis, it was in the late 90s, and she, uh, went, she did everything. She got her mercury taken out. She went on a highly alkaline diet. She did coffee enema she did qigong. she does Kundalini. she she didn't cure herself completely, which was a bit of a disappointment. We were really hoping that we could get rid sure. of it altogether. but it's really changed her quality of life. So, She's doing wonderfully. And um, I think that it has definitely given me the perspective that, look, your body can be healthy into, and I think a lot of the listeners out there and people, you know, at Mind Body Green, many of us are dealing with parents or grandparents who have some sort of dementia, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. Parkinson's, MS, you know, this is now epidemic proportions. And so I really think brain health is something that um, is the most important. You can always lose 10 pounds, but can you, right. you, you know, there's a point at which the plasticity of the brain becomes calcified and that's when things start to go wrong. And there's reasons why I believe that happens um, from the fluoridation of the water to linear movement to um, you know, obviously inactivity to, but inactivity of the mind as well. And the, the the Western science is coming out to prove a lot of what we've known in yoga science the past 7,000 years. So I'm really excited. I think that and part of my great vision is Rama university and the, you know creating actually a collegiate experience where we're doing a lot of hardcore research around um the mind and sound and movement and consciousness and that's that's my north that that's my what do they call it the north North Star. star yeah
0: yeah some of the science around nutrition and brain health is really fascinating it is dale bredesen just did something on alzheimer's he thinks there's a he thinks it's it's a whole protocol and people like Terry Walls, Mark Hyman's doing a big thing on yeah. brain health. Like the science is catching up. And yes, it's it is really interesting and exciting. It is. And so Kundalini, you mentioned it's one of the things your mom practiced for healing, and a lot of people come to Kundalini for for healing, yeah. and a lot of people come from addiction. It's just this great it's just great tool. What are some misconceptions about Kundalini that you just love to? Clear up, you know. So people will say like, "Do I need the outfit? Do I need? Yeah, yeah. Like, can I just show up? Like, I, I'm Christian,
1: right? Or, right. Like, what? What do you? What?
0: What do you get hit with the most?
1: Well, I, I you know, we just opened our institute in New York City, um, and one of my favorite things has been just watching like how the New Yorker kind of contends with the white. And so I've been making this joke um, in class where it's like they'll come in with like a white T-shirt, but they're still gonna wear their black pants. <laughs> <laughs> I love my New Yorkers. Um, punk rocker yeah them. exactly I, you know the beautiful thing about kundalini is literally you can practice anywhere in anything you don't ever ever have to touch your toes somebody told me yesterday in class you said a lot
0: too what? You can sit a lot. You
1: can sit a lot. You can, you can, but you can also do a lot of practices in a chair. I mean, yep. you don't have to be able to sit in the thing. So they're really uh, in a class, in a normal class of mine, we have people all the way into their 80s and babies. I mean, literally in one class, we have babies and people all the way into their 80s. And I take a lot of pride in that. Because... Very
0: similar to Vinnie Marino's class at Yoga Works in Santa Monica. Really? No, I'm kidding. Okay. His, his class is like you show up, it's like a casting call, the shirts come that's, off. That's out It's a great class. I yeah, love. it. It's yeah. amazing, but yes. it's a whole different vibe. It's yeah, like yeah. if you're, it's a casting call. If, if you don't, call, yeah. if you don't bring it, like yeah, you're, you're yeah. gonna, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, oh no, it's a whole different, amazing, different yeah, side of yoga. Yeah. But
1: but no, it, with Kundalini, you know, it's a family affair. People bring their kids. It's you know, it's really at Rama. That's the vibe, and you can come as you are. You leave. I always say, come as you are, leave more as you are. That's that's kind of my quote. So you you can you know, there's no there's no dress code. Now, I wear white because of a, when I teach, I wear all sorts of things. Um, you know, we're going this weekend, we're going to the Grammys. I'm not wearing white. you um, going to the Grammys? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going. Well, White Sun is my teacher's band. Oh, And cool. they won the New Age Grammy last year. So we're, oh, that's we're awesome. very excited. Um, so, you know, we go we, we go places and we wear. I, I'm a fashionista. I love clothing. I'm <laughs> a major clothes horse. I have an amazing vintage collection of all sorts of amazing designers. It's like one of my crowns jewels um, but when I teach I wear white because it's very helpful for me to kind of hold a certain space sure. um, and then I cover my head because again it's like it's 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 grounding this kind of force um, and it really helps for me but anybody else I mean we don't care like I, I, you know you don't have to dress like me I don't dress like you so that's a big misconception now kundalini lends itself to fashion and we have really pushed into that um, at Rama and and I've pushed into that and I love fashion And I love clothing that makes you feel uh, your own kind of majesty. I think there's a major alchemy to that, Mm -hmm. wearing clothes that make you feel good, which looks different for everyone. And so there's, I think that creates dignity and just self-confidence, but that's, I think one of the biggest misconceptions, and obviously there's the religious misconceptions, we're, we're scientific. We're secular. I'm very non-religious. I'm, I'm mystic, but, you know, I'm into mysticism, but I'm very non-religious. And I've had where Yoga West is in Los Angeles is a very Jewish neighborhood, a lot of Orthodox and Hasidic. And, you know, many people from all sorts of religions would come and practice because it, it's, it resonates. They just want to feel better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody is like trying to figure out a way to feel better. You know, that's sure. that's the, that's the deal. So I think that's another misconception is around like, oh, is this religious and whatever. I I try to be very clear that there is no there's no religion except Yogi Bhajan was a Sikh, but his mother was a Hindu. So I mean, again, even True. that, and he himself said over and over again, like, I'm the most non-religious person you could, you'll yeah. ever meet. Why? Because the religions that have put God outside of us, those have basically ruined the you know civilization and he sure. was very outspoken about that
0: amen to that amen and what i love yeah. in, in your book invincible living which everyone has to go pick up you, you, it's very approachable I and mean, you talk about breath work and easy techniques So every anyone who's like okay like this sounds interesting i'm in definitely go pick up invincible living
1: yeah thank you
0: thank so you. it seems like you, you kind of got it all together but i you know, what keeps you up at night and what has you excited in the morning what, well, what worries you?
1: Yeah, well, I, and I know you know this. I mean, I recently have had, it, I've never had this before, but, well, a little bit in the early days of the first Rama in Venice. But I, recently, because we're growing, I definitely ha- have had the like, okay, and I'm going to sleep and the mantras are playing and everything's good. And then, <gasps> and it's like, uh-huh. oh, my God, I have, you know, 30 plus employees and it's global and there's so much, you know, I, I definitely, the entrepreneurial aspect of my My mission is heavy and um, it is, you know, there's so much of it that is requires so much of me and of our team. And so it's it's it's. A major pressure, and I know the pressure. I I'm not fooling myself that the pressure is here for my spiritual development. Like you know, everything else is dust in the wind. Like people mm-hmm. ask me, are you excited that you opened the studio in New York? And I am, but you know, it's all dust. Like I have to look at it that way. That that you know, everything's ephemeral, and I'm not. You know, I I'm building something bigger, which is the university. All the rest of this is really like those just the stepping stones to you know. I, I it's about education. It's about education of the young people it's about the future so yeah but that's what keeps me up at night is like workman's comp and payroll and <laughs> <Firing>. <laughs> hiring new firing, people you know, and firing yeah. you know yeah that's yeah. the that's the stuff and it's real that, that is real yeah. and your problems
0: got a great piece of advice from someone about this specifically and what he had to say was your problems don't go away, they just change yep when you grow a business. It's so there, there's true. There's no like, we just got to get to this point, and then this will, it's like, oh, new problem, this one's over, problems just change. They really do. And so what has you excited in the morning when you wake up and...
1: Well, you know, my biggest excitement is... Creativity, I'm always like I, I literally I don't know what's happened. I don't know if it's the kundalini. I don't know if it's just light, like like I just feel that I'm being moved by a, a power that's way bigger than me and it has nothing to do with me. It's trying to get through all of us and you know as much as I clear myself, it's just in all of us kind of create space for it. It can come through in a bigger way. And that's what I wake up excited to do. It's like I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my practice. I'm going to clear some space for this great creative force that is so fulfilling. It's more fulfilling than anything. And I think that's kind of, that's my major thrust. And
0: I love that any advice for someone who's just starting out in Kundalini and is just so excited to listen to you right now. And maybe, you know, any advice for a newbie?
1: My advice is that I would much rather you, and for anyone, you know, whether you're interested in Kundalini or you're just trying to make a life change, I, I, you know, just a little bit every day, and then just like you would do with a child, you have to celebrate the victory. And I've been saying this like, you know, I celebrate the victory. I was I was on Rama TV and I had I had my dress on I think inside out or backwards, one or the other. And I was like, look, I was celebrating the victory of like just getting dressed this morning, but then I realized I have my dress on inside out, but you know, I'm still going to I'm still taking that as a win. You know, you have to celebrate. I, I mean, it's a hard life. People are barely <laughs> making it. You need to feel good about whatever you decide. Like sure. this the whatever I decide and y- you have to give it to some of these, you know, kind of crazy leaders out there. Um, I won't mention any names. Um, there's, there's a certain thing about, I mean, one of the reasons why some of these leaders are in place right now on this planet is because of the, the aura of the confidence it's like I made that decision well damn it that's the best decision that ever could be made which is like not true but right. you kind of have to treat yourself that way which is like alright well I did one minute of that meditation that was the best I'm the best meditator that ever lived <laughs> because then you create a self concept and, and Tony Robbins talks about this in that great Netflix doc that oh, they yeah. made he's like you know I was just a kid like some skinny kid from the Inland Empire I made this motherfucker right. Tony Robbins like and I, that's exactly what you gotta do you yeah. have to
0: make Whoever you- so, it's interesting you brought that up because y- you are so loved, and there are so many influential people in wellness, and we have a lot of mutual friends. And you have you know, high-profile people like Kelly Rutherford, our friend of mine, Muddy Green, and Alicia Key. All these people love you. Yeah. And so, what what is it? I know it's hard to think about, like, what am I doing? But wh- what do you think it is about you? If Tony Robbins like built himself that that you're doing that draws amazing. Influential people, when they seem like you got a lot of them who who yeah, love you and yeah. swear by you.
1: Well, I I feel that there's a magnetism to someone who is on a quest, and you see this from David Bowie to I mean, there's so many people we could put in that. Why are they so magnetic? Why? Because they're on a quest, and I'm on a quest, and I have a mission, and I think that that and and the major part of that quest is can i have more fun in the next moment than i had in the moment before because i'm sure. into i'm always looking for the best new joke the bigger laugh the you know because this is a funny planet we live on this is a weird life i mean if no if people don't think it's funny then we're missing the joke the joke is on us um so i think you know between like i'm on a mission and it's serious but i don't take it seriously it, it's it's dynamic and i'm having fun and oh. and i think that that i mean people who are truly having fun not faking having fun there's nothing worse than a fake orgasm or somebody faking having fun yeah. you know what i mean so like somebody actually having fun that's dynamic and we want to follow that person we want to know what's going on sure. with that person and so i think that that's that's mostly what it is. And then, you know, there's, of, of course, a little salt and pepper of, um, you know, the secret ingredients of charisma and my relationship with my teacher, Hari Jivan and Yogi Bhajan and, you know, just the, the, the power of the spiritual gifts that have been bestowed upon me, you know, for no good reason, except to maybe I was just the best one to take it down the field.
0: I'll add something. You're very authentic and real. And not everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. they project something they're not because they feel they need to, to succeed. And you never yeah. get this like real connection. Like, do they really mean that? Or they right, saying right, that? Right. But, like when someone like isn't knows you and gets you like it, you're very real and yeah. authentic and that helps. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, last question. If you could go back in time and give yourself advice, pre Kundalini, that punk rock girl punk running rocker. around, you know, what advice would that be?
1: Um, it would be to be uh less aggressive towards myself. I'm more gentle, and um I think that's like the crux yeah. of it it's It's just about like being sweeter to myself.
0: I like that. I think that's advice everyone could take home.
1: yeah, it's true. i mean we we look at like just all the ways we're so aggressive with ourselves. It's really like painful in certain ways yeah. so.
0: Yeah. And I'll close with a lot of people. I hope you check out. We have an amazing class with you on Mind Buddy Green. Why does everyone have to take a look there? And
1: well, you know, I I say this to people all the time. I feel like we created beautiful art in that course because yeah. it really is something I've never done before, which is really systematically give um, a rich experience for someone who's done a lot of kundalini and, and broken down some things that maybe they they haven't heard broken down that way and then also for someone who's completely new um, it's such a kind of a beautiful non-linear kind of introduction to what the power of their own creativity and, and their own vitality looks like uh, which we could call kundalini we could call it lots of different things but so I think I, I'm really proud out of the course we made, yeah. and and thank you for uh, the whole team here was just amazing, and it's I think it's beautiful. We have amazing like a lot of amazing yogis there doing it with us, and, and of all different skill sets and sizes and shapes, and I love that. I think it's yeah. really important.
0: Oh, it's an amazing offering. Everyone, check it out. Kundalini Yoga, and my buddy Green, Guru Jagat. Thank thanks so much, so much for being here. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, everyone.